The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is serious, 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 serious fun. Hello and welcome to another episode of Serious Fun, once again coming from the Brown County Library PopCon 2023, October 6th, 2023, this is recorded. And yep, this is the one that I think a lot of folks have been waiting for, a special Halloween edition involving Mr. R.L. Stein, the creator of Goosebumps and Fear Street and so many other books. I'm going to go ahead and get right to it because this is a great interview. You're going to love it. And uh, this is a packed house, so you might hear a lot more crowd noise than usual, but that's to be expected. It's R.L. Stein right now on Serious Fun. So hi, everybody. How you doing? Y'all are big fans of Serious Fun, huh? I know what you're here for, and you're going to see him in just a second. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, welcome you to a new episode of Serious Fun, live once again from the 2023 Brown County Library PopCon. I am your host, Brian Carr. And no, this is not a haunted mass. This is just what I look like. So for those of you unfamiliar with Serious Fun, uh, every episode of this show is an exploration of pop culture for those who create, study, and consume it as we seek out the craft, meaning, and purpose of our favorite things. Today, I am honored, delighted, and frankly, a little stunned to be talking to R.L. Stein. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is a mob. Yeah, we got. You're a popular guy, wow. as it turns out. Well, I'm so happy to be here. I'll tell you why. I'm especially happy to be here. Uh, two weeks ago, I did a book signing in Baltimore, and a teacher came up to the table and she said, "Can I have my picture taken with you? The kids all think you're dead." <laughs> so that's why I'm especially glad to be here today. Yeah. We got proof of life, is, is I think. <laughs> yeah. we're, yep. Uh, so, Arl Stein is, of course, the creator of Goosebumps. <laughs> Fear Street. And countless other books that have sold over 400 million copies have been translated into 35 languages. His most recent book, Slime Doesn't Pay, released just last week and is, of course, available out there for, at Lionmouth Books, uh, Lion's Mouth Bookstore. So we're going to be talking about his life, career, and how to write horror for younger audiences here with R.L. Stein. Mr. Stein, welcome to Serious Fun, and welcome well, to the Brown County you. Library PopCon. Brian, thank you. How many slappies are here? I see a bunch of slappies Slappies stand up. Audience. Let's see the slappies. Look at that. Oh. Wow. We got slappy costumes. Oh, we got the slappy nice. dummies. Wow. Yeah. Hi. You know, I'm in, I'm in the wrong business. I should be in the red bow tie business. Yeah. <laughs> you sold a lot of them. 
Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get started, and we always like to start off on uh, serious fun um, with a question about, you know, tell us a bit about yourself and, and, and that sort of thing. But I think we're going to start off, um, we actually got a lot of questions um, sent to us via social media for you. So I'm going to be kind of sprinkling those throughout. So this one actually comes from Eric, age six. Um, I don't have Eric's last name, but if you're out there, Eric, hi. Uh, how did you become interested in scary stories, and what made you start writing them? You know, I just like to scare kids. <laughs> it's a great job. <laughs> so somebody has to do it, right? And it's fun. You know, I never um, planned to be scary in my life. I was always funny. And I wrote about 100 joke books for kids. Uh, I did a humor magazine for 10 years called Bananas. I was jovial Bob Stein. I was um, head writer of Eureka's Castle. Does anybody remember <laughs> Eureka? <clears throat> On Nickelodeon. And it was just funny stuff. I never planned to be scary. Mm -hmm. here's, here's one of my best uh, kids jokes, okay? What do you get when you cross a dog with a frog? You get a dog that can lick himself from across the room. <laughs> It's a kid's joke, come on. All right. <laughs> and then um, one day, uh, this is an embarrassing story how I got scary. I was having lunch with my friend Jean, who is the publisher at Scholastic, and she had just uh, gotten off the phone with, another, with a guy who wrote teen horror. And she came to lunch angry. Uh, she said, I'm never working with him again. He will remain nameless. We won't mention him. His name was Christopher Pike. <laughs> and, uh, she, she said, I'm never working with him again. You could write a good scary book. Go home and write a book called Blind Date. And I didn't know what she was talking about. What do you mean a teen horror? I said, sure, no problem, no problem. And I ran to the bookstore to see what people would, Christopher Pike and Lois Duncan and Diane Ho and uh, all these people were writing so I could figure out what to do. And I wrote Blind Date, it came out, it was a number one bestseller. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute. And then a year later, I wrote a second teen horror novel called Twisted, another number one bestseller. I said, forget the funny stuff. <laughs> Right? I've been scary ever since. But it's embarrassing because it wasn't my idea. So you've obviously struck a chord with audiences across several generations. I mean, just looking at this crowd, we've got young kids, we've got folks my age, and we, there's everybody you know, above and below and just all across the board. Um, and a big part of that is, is obviously you, know, you, you wrote these stories and these books that really appealed to people at a young age. And so a big part of what we want to talk about today is how you write horror for a younger audience. And I guess I'll start with maybe kind of the, 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 the question, and this actually comes from a couple different people. Alice and Sibylla ask, what are your inspirations you look to when you come up with these ideas? Are there books you read, experiences you have? What inspires you? Yeah, all of it. I think, okay. yeah, oh, you know, all of it. Um, my rule, oh, by the way, speaking of, I mean, if you were 10 years old when Goosebumps started in 1992, you'd be 40 now, right? And I know, I know you adults. I know what I am to you. <laughs> I, no, I'm nostalgia. Right? How would you like to be nostalgia? <laughs> that took, believe me, that took a lot to get used to, nostalgia. But now I care. I get to scare many generations, right? 
But um, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> what? What, are we, what are we talking about? Uh, we're going to start. What are your inspirations you look to? Like, what are, what are I, things I don't you know use? No inspiration. You... I, you know, I'm, this is all I've ever done. I'm right. So I, I, I have to think of scary ideas all the time. I have to be thinking about it. And the fact is, I never think of ideas anymore. I never try to come up with ideas because I've done every story a human can do. Mm-hmm. I've, I've written everything right. There are no stories left. So I just think of titles. That's all. I just try to think of a good title. And then, seriously, and then when I have a good title, like the new Goosebumps book, Goosebumps is a new series now called Goosebumps House of Shivers. The new one just came out, and it's called Scariest Book Ever. And I had that title, and I thought, well, okay, I didn't have an idea. I just had Scariest Book Ever. I thought, okay, what would be in the scariest book? What would, what if it got lost? What if some kids had to find it? And that's how I got, that's how I do every story pretty much. I think I work backwards from most authors. Mm-hmm. So most authors get an idea, they write, they write, and then they think of a title. But I have to start with the title. Sometimes I'll get a really good idea for a story and I can't think of a title and I throw out the idea. I, I, I love that. Like, I think that's such an interesting way to handle that question, right? So your, your new one that came out was, uh, of course, Slime Doesn't Pay. So I can kind of see, okay, so I'm going to start with, okay, there's Slime. Now, why doesn't it pay? Right. right? Well, I'm hoping it pays. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, but no, it's yeah. true. You, you know, you start with Slime and you say, all right, what if uh, a girl slimes her brother and it changes him? You know, that kind of, Mm -hmm. that's how that book got started. That's a great title, isn't it? It's a fantastic title. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I read that, I'm like, dang, that's good. That's my main main talent, titles. And if you look at the the Goosebumps books, I have the Haunted Mask here in front of me. We have any Haunted Mask fans? Yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah, the Haunted Mask. Okay, so what would a Haunted Mask entail? And it turns out it's it's not great for the people who wear it. That's that's my best Halloween story, I Mm -hmm. think. So perfect time to revisit that. Carly Beth. How many of you have seen the TV show, The Haunted Mask? Oh, boy. Yeah. That was the very first Goosebumps show we ever did. You know, it's about Carly Beth, who wants to be scary at Halloween and puts on this ugly green mask, and it sticks to her face, and she can't get it off, and it becomes part of her, and it turns her evil. And I'll tell you a story about filming that show. It was the very first Goosebumps show we ever did. Um, the Goosebumps show was Canadian. It was entirely Canadian production. We used every kid in Canada <laughs> in that show. You know, 11-year-old Ryan Gosling is in Say Cheese and Die. And uh, kids would ask me, I'd be here doing a book signing, and kids would say, I'd like to be on the Goosebumps show. How can I be on the Goosebumps show? And I'd say, well, you have to be Canadian. And Brian, every single time, the kid would say, what's that? (laughs) A tribute to our school system. Well, we have a lot of people from different, we have people from Nebraska and New York and all kinds of, uh, uh, I don't think anybody's from, is anybody from Canada here? Okay, so yeah, you can make that joke. See what what I mean? (laughs) So anyway, we're filming um, this early scene you've seen in The Haunted Mask, we had this wonderful young actress named Catherine Long playing Ka- Carly Beth. 
And in a very early scene, two boys are in the lunchroom and they give Carly Beth a sandwich with a worm in it. And she eats it. So we got all ready to film this scene and we made a sandwich and we put a plastic worm in the sandwich and we went down to the lunchroom set and Catherine Long came to us and she said, you know, I don't think I can play this scene with a plastic worm. I think I need a real worm in the sandwich. I think I'll be much better. So we went out and we got a worm and we put it in a sandwich and we started to film the scene and she picked up the sandwich and she bit into it. You want to hear the really sad part? This is a really sad part of the story. We had to shoot the scene 12 times. <laughs> There's 12 worms. Not a great day for the worms either, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so, are there any, uh, so this, this question comes from Caitlin, are there any of your books that are inspired by something you've done in real life or an experience you've had? No. No. Okay. There you go, Caitlin. Um, no, yeah, no. I, you know, I'm in the room typing all day. What could, ha <laughs> what could happen to me? Yeah. No, I can't think of one that really came from a, a true experience. Mm -hmm. They're all, it's all made up. All right. So, the, so there's no real psychotic dummies running around or anything like that? Well, we have that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask a question. So this is one that uh, was on my mind as, uh, when I was informed I was going to be interviewing you. Um, you look at some of the Goosebumps books, and they can get pretty intense, but most of them are, you know, obviously they're for kids. When you're writing for kids, is there like a line you don't cross, or are there any ideas yeah. that have been too wild? Yeah, no, that's true. I have one rule with them, with Goosebumps books. Uh, here's a serious answer. Okay. okay. Um, my rule is the kids have to know it's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. They have to know it can't really happen. Okay. And once they know that, if they know it can't really happen, I can go pretty far with the scares. Mm -hmm. And it can get pretty creepy because I just, I know that they're not really, you know, I don't really want to terrify kids. Just scar them a little. Yeah, for, for life. Yeah, just a little. Not a lot, just a little. There's, there's, you know, there's yeah. a balance. Yeah. Uh, so when you look at the, uh, you know, one of the most iconic aspects of your work, and this goes across all the works, but especially Goosebumps, are the covers, right? So um, if you are of a certain age, these covers are basically burned into your brain. Um, and, uh, and the covers were always scarier than the books. Right. Like, oh, really, they, they were. were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and most of them, if not all of them, are drawn by a single artist, Tim Jacobus. Now, you mentioned you start with the title and kind of work backward, but what's the collaboration about? Like, what kind of influence do you have on the art as well? Well, uh, Tim did like the first hundred covers. Mm -hmm. And um, he would be painting the cover while I was writing the story. So he couldn't ever, he never really knew what the whole story was about. And I used to send him like a paragraph, a little note, say, Tim, this is about a boy who becomes invisible and, and he would do the cover. Mm -hmm. And he did, his paintings were amazing. And they were always right on target, except for one cover out of all of them. The cover to Say Cheese and Die. Now that book, <coughs> Sorry, I have no voice today. It's a good timing, right? Yeah. Um, th that book was about these kids who find an evil camera 
the camera takes pictures of bad things that happen in the future. And Tim's uh, cover painting came in, and it was a family of skeletons barbecuing. <laughs> <laughs> Had nothing to do with the book. And the, so the editors called me, and they said, they didn't call Tim, because <laughs> he can't change the painting, right? They say, Bob, you have to put in a scene in the book of skeletons barbecuing. <laughs> Well, so I, I did. I added a dream sequence, and the kid falls asleep and dreams about skeletons barbecuing. Right. And that's that's how we made the cover. You know, they would never ask the artist to change, right? I mean, that's kind of how like comics work, right? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Tim Which and we'll, I are still really good friends, and he does a lot of comic cons now and talks about Goosebumps covers, mm -hmm. and we do some events together. And he shows his original art, and we talk about it, and we have a great time. So, we have a brand new cover artist for House of Shivers, mm -hmm. and I don't know his name. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, you can always develop that relationship over yeah, time. Yeah, take time. Uh, I want to ask you also, uh, so coming back to this idea about writing for kids and, uh, you know, I got a lot of questions about um, your kind of relationship, and obviously you kind of established that, you know, this is not necessarily stuff that happened to you or anything like that. Um, but Meadow, age 11, asked, were you always interested in scary stuff, or was it a thing that you, like, were at least thinking about, or as a kid you were excited by, or anything like that? Yeah, as I said, I never planned to write it, mm -hmm. but when I was a kid, there were these great evil comic books called Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> and the vault of horror and the witch's cauldron and i'm this kid i loved them i just loved them the art was amazing of course and the stories were gruesome mm -hmm. bloody stories and they all had a funny twist ending mm -hmm. every story and i can see they were very influential on mm -hmm. me but um one day i um bought a couple of them i used to read them in the barber shop they had a big stack of them in the barber shop one day I bought a couple and I brought them home and my mother stopped me at the door and she said, I'm sorry, you can't have these. I said, why? What do you mean? She said, it's trash. This is trash. I thought, oh, trash. Good, good thing. And uh, so I had to go, this is a true story. Every Saturday morning, I went to get a haircut so I could read these, I had less hair then than I do now. <laughs> And it's funny you mentioned Tales from the Crypt because I was, as I was preparing for this, I was going back and looking at some of the old covers and the little taglines that are on each of the covers are basically something the Crypt Keeper would say. Like that, is that, was that intentional or? Yeah. No, it's intentional. Okay, yeah. I sort of set the style. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I'm doing comic books now for adults. I'm doing uh, graphic novels called Stuff of Nightmares and I'm trying to do that same kind of EC horror comic thing. The new one just came out, it's called Red Murder. It's really gruesome. Not for kids. But I think actually if you are interested, there are copies available at Powers Comics um, over in the Artist Alley too, so you can check that out. Um, so I, I want to kind of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big comic book nerd. In fact, one of the things I had you sign was the, uh, the issue of uh, Man-Thing uh, that you did for Marvel. So we'll talk about that in a minute because I'm just going to, I just want to know. Um, but. Uh, 
you know, the EC Comics, the uh, Tales from the Crypt and that sort of thing, obviously there was a lot of parental pushback. I mean, we literally had hearings in Congress about uh, the dangers these comics pose to American youth. Was there anything ever similar with Goosebumps? Did you run into that? And, uh, or is that a thing you're kind of uh, insulated a bit from? Um, no, we had a lot of problems when Goosebumps first came out because um, the covers were so much scarier than the books. Also, nobody had ever done a scary book series for seven to 11 year olds. Mm -hmm. It had never been done. So there was a lot of you know, book banning and this kind of thing, but I think not as much as I expected. Mm -hmm. And teachers and reading teachers and librarians were so supportive of Goosebumps um, they saw kids were reading them, that got kids into the libraries, and that really helped a lot. So we didn't have that kind of trouble. You know, people always, there are a lot of people who don't like kids, mm -hmm. and, you know, there are. There, there are always people who want to take things away from kids, like the comic book thing. Mm -hmm. They always say, oh, the, they take away their comic books, or take away their music, their music's terrible, or the video games are too violent take away their video. There are just a lot of people who don't like kids. And so I think that's one reason why this happens again. And I, I you know, I like kids. I, I'm very grateful to kids, of course. So uh, you, you mentioned that you, again, you're starting with the title, you're working backwards, and you know, we talked about like, the, the idea of keeping goosebumps as a fantasy. What have you learned about what kids respond to in terms of what scares them, what they find interesting, and how does that influence your writing? Well, one thing I've learned is that kids are really smart. And there are a lot of kids who come up and, you know, say, uh, I'm not ready for your books, or your books would upset me, or something. That happens a lot, which I think is very smart. I'm not ready for it. I had uh, two, two, I still do, two nephews. And when they were like six or seven, one of them loved goosebumps, just thought they were hilarious. And the other nephew, was, my nephew Sam, was afraid. He was frightened of the books. And every once in a while, I would send him one and say, Sam, I think you'll like this book. It's not too scary. And he called me up and he said, Bob, you know where this, is where you know where this book is going? Right in the garbage. <laughs> he was like, he knew. But that's not what you asked me. No, it's OK. I mean, yeah. It's, it's relevant, though, because I think that idea that, you know, we, kids are definitely smarter than we give them credit for a lot of the time. Yeah. And no, to answer your question, yeah. what, what I do and what I'm very careful about is to keep the real world out of the books. Mm -hmm. And you don't do any real world problem. I, I, you, parents are never divorced. Mm -hmm. There's no drugs. There's no serious medical problems. I would never do any of that mm -hmm. to, just to keep it a fantasy. And that's really interesting because you know we talk about pop culture and, and media as sort of an escapist thing, right? We, we we watch these shows or read these books because we want to not, in part, not to worry about what's going on in our in our life. It gives us that sort of escape hatch. Yeah. Um, and, and so is is that a thing you keep in mind? Like you know, like I like this idea of it being a fantasy. I find so interesting um, that you like give you know kids. Like has any have kids ever come up to you and said, "Hey, Goosebumps helped me," or it gave me something? Oh, I, no, I get it all the time. Yeah. it's very gra gratifying. I this is just I you know sometimes this is all too nice for me. I've seen all these people here. It's like too nice. I, in the we hotel can get mean. At, well, <laughs> we can get mean if you want. But. No, I, <laughs> um, at breakfast this morning, a couple came, drove six hours from Minnesota. Are you here? 
I know, it's, it's so touching. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now, you know, people, wherever I go, people say, you are my childhood, mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you, you got me through a really difficult childhood. Um, I wouldn't be a librarian today if it wasn't for you. And you know, it's, it's just so wonderful. Um, I, you know, when you sit in a room and you type this stuff, it's not, you don't think about that. You don't really think about the effect you're having on people. And I'm so lucky that I've been able to do this, you know, 31 years of goosebumps. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot of years. Mm -hmm. that's, that's just very lucky, I think. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, uh, um, with that is that kids also are not as scared of stuff as we think they are sometimes. Like, you know, obviously they're, they're smart enough to know when they're not ready yeah. for it, too. Well, they see a lot scarier stuff. Right. Um, and so I, I got questions a lot about, um, you know, has anything, like Andrea Oshel, for instance, asked, has any movie or anything, like a real life event, scared you? Even if it's like a wild animal or a shadow in the night, <laughs> she says. Uh, see, uh, there's something wrong with my brain. <laughs> no, really, I don't, I don't get scared from movies or books. I don't know what that feeling is. And uh, you know, in the movie theater, when the shark comes up and is chewing up and chewing on the teenager, I'm the one in the theater who's laughing. <laughs> no, horror, horror always makes me laugh. I just think it's funny. And people come up to me and they say, oh, after I read your book, I had to leave all the lights on. I had to lock all my doors. I was so, I've never had that feeling. It just just makes me laugh. Do you think and I don't, I think, you know, there's a very close relationship right between humor and horror. Mm -hmm. It's very close. If you, when you sneak up behind somebody and you go, boo, what's the first thing they do? They gasp, right? Mm -hmm. And then they laugh. Mm -hmm. It's the same, same kind of reaction, I think. And that's interesting because I think they're both like cathartic reactions, not to get too into like the realm of psychology here, but they're cathartic reactions to that kind of stimulus, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm scared or I'm happy. And so like this energy is kind of coming out and it's manifesting through screaming or laughing. But you're right, there's not that much of a difference. No, when you go up to a roller coaster, you hear people screaming and laughing. Mm -hmm. It's really the same. People always ask me, what's the scariest moment of your life? What's the scariest thing that ever happened to you. And I tell you, I remember it very well. Um, my son, Matt, was a real little guy. I don't know, he was three or four, he was a tiny guy. And I took him to the automobile show in New York at the um, convention center. You know, thousands of people and hundreds of cars, and I lost him. That was the scariest moment of my life. I couldn't find I looked around, Matt, was, he wasn't there. And the whole thing lasted maybe 30 seconds, right? But that incredible feeling of panic. And, and then I finally, I spotted him standing over by a car. And I went running over to him. I said, Matt, Matt, are you okay? And he said, where were you, Dad? I was about to call the manager. <laughs> <laughs> He's a New York kid, yeah. right? I shouldn't worry about him. So I want to talk a bit about... Uh, so I got a lot of questions about adaptations of your work. Uh, and this is something, I know we had a conversation about this um, beforehand, but uh, we, let's go ahead and dispel a myth right now, I guess, while we have a chance. Yeah. You, you don't write on a typewriter, do you? <laughs> no, not for many, many years. And I'm embarrassed by how many typewriters I've sold. <laughs> people see, you know, Jack Black 
played me in the Goosebumps movie. And hey, Jack and I are like twins, right? <laughs> right? People get us confused all the time. And Jack in the Goosebumps, Jack's typing on a typewriter. He's got this typewriter. Well, I haven't used a typewriter. And so now parents write to me and say, my son wants to be like you. What kind of typewriter should I buy him? <laughs> No, please, please don't buy a typewriter. And they send me photos of kids typing on these things. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I think I wrote maybe a hundred books on a typewriter, you know, before switching over many years ago. I don't know how, how did we ever revise? I don't remember how, did, that was a lot of typing. Are you a Mac guy or a PC guy? Mac. Okay. <laughs> I think I saw some claps, so that rivalry's still alive and well. Um, so, uh, do, you, do you do all your outlines and everything uh, on the computer, or do you maybe do you write anything down by hand? Uh, how, what's I that used to do like? the outlines. I used to plot by hand. Okay. And um, but I stopped. I I don't know why. It was easier to come up with stories just writing and not typing. Now I do it all on the computer, but I do a very complete outline of every book I write. People hate the outline, right? Everybody hates outlines, but I can't work without it now. I have chapter one, this is what happens. And I have dialogue in the, in the outline. And I have the chapter ending, every chapter ending, chapter two. So what people always say, do you get writer's block? What do you do about writer's block? But if I do all that work before I write, if I, have, if I know everything that's going to happen in the book before I sit down and write it, you can't have writer's block. I've done all the work, I can just have the fun of writing. So that, and that's interesting, like, because you, you mentioned, like, writer's block is just not a thing you worry about at all. I, well, I don't have time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How many books would you, uh, you say, because you, you're prolific. I think that's fair to say, right? Would, would you yeah. agree with that? I, yeah, in an insane way. Yeah. So yeah, how I, many books are you I putting think, out a year on average? Well, we do four Goosebumps books a year. And then this year I did a Stein Tingler's short story book and Slime Doesn't Pay and two comic books. That's what I did this year. So, you know. You've you, got to be nuts. You're taking, you're taking it easy. I've written 350 books, I think. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to type. With this finger, I've written, this is my typing finger. <laughs> Look at it. Look, it's totally bent. It's totally ruined. 300 books with this one finger. I never learned how to type. So what's George R. R. Martin's excuse? <laughs> you know, I talked with him once. We sat down, and before I sat down with him, we had a really nice talk. And, but the person said, whatever you do, don't ask him when he's going to finish his book. <laughs> don't, don't ever ask him that question. I imagine that's a question you just get tired of answering after a while. <laughs> I think he probably does, and he'll never, he's not, why should he finish no. it? No. Why should he finish it? I mean, <laughs> the money's nice. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, like, when you, when you write a book, uh, how long does it take to turn out a Goosebumps book, let's say? How long? From outline to finished product. The, the outline takes a week. And then uh, the, writing the book, maybe three weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, so you're writing a it's lot, cool. I'm guessing. Like, how many hours a day are you spending? Well, I don't. I, I write, I have great hours. I write from 10 to 1 every day. <laughs> hey, you'd kill for those hours, right? <laughs> 10 to 1, that's it. Take the dog for a long walk, and that's my day. Well, that's, that's a pretty sweet deal. 
Not gonna lie. I, you know, I have this trick. I write 2,000 words every day. That's about 10 pages. Okay. And I have this game I play with myself. When I hit 2,000 on the computer, I just stop, no matter where I am. <laughs> Mid-sentence, whatever. And that helps keep you focused and kind of fresh? Yeah. yeah. And the next day, I can just finish the sentence and pick it up. So you just stop in the middle of a sentence? Yeah. yeah. I just, 2,000. I hit 2,000. That's yep. it. Goodbye. Peace out. We're done. Yeah. Factory work. Factory yeah. work, you know? <laughs> You're clocking in and clocking out. Back to the salt <laughs> yeah. lines, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so um, are there books that are maybe take longer to write, though? Like, uh, oh, if, sure. So like something the, like Slime the Doesn't teen books, Yeah. Teen books are long. You know, Goosebumps books are short. They're yeah. only 125 uh, manuscript pages. Sure. But uh, the teen books take longer. <coughs> and, of course, adult books take a lot longer. So I hate writing for adults. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why anyone would want to write for adults. I don't understand that. You know, my audience, the middle grade audience, that, that's the best audience in the world. There's no one better than these seven to 11 year olds. They want to read you, they want to buy stuff, they want to know you, they want to meet you, they're great. So and shout then, out to the seven to 11 year olds out there. Yeah, yeah. right. No, it, it, I always say that's the last time in their lives they'll ever be enthusiastic. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, when they're 12, they discover sex. They have to be cool. <laughs> then they have to be cool from then on. And they're gone. They're lost. You know, parents know that. 12-year-olds, forget it. They're gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to follow that one. Um, but coming back to the adaptation, so a lot of those kids, of course, watching the movies, uh, and um, you, you got these different things coming out. Obviously, there's uh, uh, some, some complications with the strikes and that kind of thing. Um, so we could talk about as little or as much as you want. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, the Jack Black movie was very successful. Um, I got so lucky with that movie because I had no input whatsoever. Mm -hmm. My whole input was I got them to take out two Stephen King jokes. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> But I got so lucky. The movie was good. It was actually good. It yeah. didn't have to be, but, but it was, it, it was were, were you, I'm proud of both Goosebumps movies. I think they worked out. They were very good. And Jack is wonderful. He's just a wonderful guy, very generous guy. And we had a great time together. And so, of course, you had the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix was also massively popular. Hey, we killed a lot of teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Fear Street, right? We killed teenagers. <laughs> Right, people love it when you kill teenagers. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Why is that? Yeah, those three, the Goosebumps, the Fear Street movies really shocked me because they were R-rated. Mm -hmm. I've never done anything R, I, even my life isn't R-rated. <laughs> I've never done anything R-rated and they were real slasher movies. So was that a but, thing like when you, when you uh, I assume you watched the finished product, um, was, was yeah. this thing where you're like, well, did you, would you, were you happy with that decision or was that a thing where it's like, you know, th that was their choice? Well, it was their choice. Right. Um, but I was happy it was all three uh, movies were number one on Netflix, <laughs> so I got to like them a lot. Nice. But no, I really was shocked at first, and but that's the studio decided, you know, they they wanted uh, R-rated films, and uh, and I, you know they were nice, they were well done, they weren't bad, they were they were really well done. This uh, director Lee Janiak did. Uh, planned and did all three. She did a wonderful job. 
So, uh, do you, so do you work closely at all with this? Or does it depend on the, because obviously it sounds like on the TV show you were pretty heavily involved. Of course, you have a TV background with Eureka's Castle. Um, how close are you working with these projects? It, well, it depends on project to project. Mm -hmm. Usually they don't want the author around. Mm -hmm. They pretty much don't want you around. The Goosebumps movie, I went down to the set a couple times, hung out. You're and, in it. Well, yeah, I have my cameo, right? <laughs> my little cameo. I, I, my new movie is called Zombie Town, and it just started on Hulu last night. And it has uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. And yeah, I can't, I, it has, this movie has maybe the worst zombies ever in a movie. <laughs> there are, I, we filmed up in Ottawa, and I don't think they could afford makeup. <laughs> so I, they're staggering around, and I think they have, the zombies have like a little eyeliner, you know? <laughs> they're horrible looking zombies, and I did a cameo uh, with Dan Aykroyd at the very end of the movie the very end, and I looked more like a zombie than they did. I'm not kidding. So uh, I wanna, uh, so what makes a good R.L. Stein adaptation apart from apparently being in Canada? Uh, <laughs> like how, how do you well, catch the spirit have, of that here's work? Here's the thing, you, you know, uh, people who do the movies or TV, they, some of them don't get it, that it's mainly funny and mainly a tease. Mm -hmm. And the, the really good ones, um, the Goosebumps show, the original one, and The Haunting Hour that was on for four, four years, they really got it, those guys, that it was a combination of funny and scary. And they really got the mix right. And they did the same for the Goosebumps movies. There was just a lot of humor in those films. And sometimes, and not straight horror. And that's really, that's what makes the adaptations good. So I, I want to follow up on some other things. Uh, you know, you are, of course, you have kids yourself. And I have a son. You have a son. My son's claim to fame is that he never read a Goosebumps book. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? That's horrible. He was the right age and everything. And he, he knew how to get me. He knew how to get dad. And he never read one. He used to take him to his friends. And I think he sold parts and goosebumps to his friends. At school, he would come home and he'd say, Dad, you have to put Will in the next one. <laughs> dad, yeah, I think they paid him 10 bucks to be in the next Goosebumps book. <laughs> and he never read one. He read, he read only Garfield comics his whole childhood. That's all he read. That yeah, was me. He had yeah. every collection, Garfield, Garfield. And then he went to college here in Wisconsin, and he was an English major. <laughs> he went right from, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> right? um, so w did you read anything to him when he was a kid? You have a grandson. No, we read now, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I didn't read Go Goosebumps. No. <laughs> I read a lot of Garfield to him when he was real little. No, we, yeah, of course, read him, tried to get him to read all the great children's books. Uh, you mentioned and, uh, that you, when your grandson was born, that was the inspiration for another book you did called Little Shop of Monsters um, and later collaborations with Mark Brown, uh, of course, the creator of Arthur. And if you are of a certain age, that's like the super team. That's like, you know, the Miami Heat coming together. And, and well, the, we're a weird combination, right. are we? Arthur and Goosebumps. Yeah. How did that come uh, about? Mark and, I, Mark and I met in Russia. 
Okay, so we're, we're just going complete weird now. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. He, um, Mrs., the former Mrs. Putin was having a children's book festival. And this was back during the Bush administration, and Laura Bush took Mark and me to Russia, to Moscow, to be in this book festival, and that's where we met. And then a couple of years, we were, became friends, and a while later, we were sitting in a restaurant, and Mark said, you and I should do a book together. And I said, Mark, you have such a good reputation in children's books. <laughs> Why would you want to do a book with me? And that's how our first picture book came to be, Little Shop of Monsters. Then we did one called Mary McScary, which I'm very proud of. And the brand new one is called Why Did the Monster Cross the Road? It's a monster joke. Why did the monster cross the road? I, I got to know the answer. What, why? To, to bite someone on the other side. There you go. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest so answers are the best ones. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing too, uh, in preparing for this, I came across the writing program you posted on your website as this free and open resource for students and educators. And if you're a young writer or you're teaching young writers, I highly recommend you go to uh, Mr. Stein's website and check it out. It's free. It is. Free yeah. to use. What motivated you to develop this and were you ever interested in teaching? I was a teacher. I taught for a year. Okay. Back in Ohio. Back in Ohio. But I, I get so many requests for advice. Um, and I, you know, it's a nice thing to be able to help people who are interested in writing. I did a master class. I have it, masterclass.com, of how to write for young people. It's five hours of me talking. <laughs> Can you imagine? Five hours. I think a lot of people here would be really excited about that. <laughs> well, oh, thanks. I'm actually very proud of it. Yeah. But I, I said everything I know and everything I don't know in five hours. And it's all divided up into 20-minute sections. And, and um, um, there I, that's really all my advice. I have a book coming out in November called There's Something Wrong With My Brain, <laughs> it's kind of, which I, uh, it's, it's uh, writing tips and tricks. And the book's mostly taken from the master class. Okay, so look out for that as well. Um, so there's a, we had a little bit of time. We will have a few minutes for questions. So if you got some, uh, we'll, we'll set you. Well, not quite yet. We'll we'll get there. Um, but uh, we were talking beforehand. I think you and I have some common interests that I just want to just take this moment uh, to talk about. The first is radio. Um, you have a rainy night theater production available now on SoundCloud. Right. Um, and, and there's uh, also an R.L. Stein Story Club podcast. Okay with, uh, I think, 15 dramatized uh, radio stories. How are you adjusting your style to those other media? When you're writing for audio versus the printed word, what's, what's different there? I, I find script writing easier than writing novels because you don't have to describe anything. I'm terrible at describing things. I don't see anything. I don't know trees. I don't know flowers. I don't, you know, I don't have that writer's eye. Mm -hmm. You know, so writing scripts, you can just write, you know, or writing a comic, like writing a comic book mm -hmm. script. You say, he ran through the jungle and someone else has to make it a jungle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have to <laughs> describe everything. And so, and I think I'm better at dialogue than anything. So it works very well for radio scripts. And so people can listen to that now uh, and definitely yeah. recommend you check that out. But. Um, I also got to ask about the comics because I'm a big comics guy. 
Uh, in fact, the thing, one of the things I had you sign was the man thing number one that you wrote. Um, you obviously grew up with comics. Um, what's special about comics as a medium? Like, what made you want to come and work on stuff of nightmares and things like that? I, I don't know. I was, I was a comic book freak when I was a kid. People always ask me, what books did you like when you were a kid? And I didn't read books. I read comic books. My friends and I all had big stacks. We carried them around. We read them in the front yard, sitting under a tree. We traded them. We, um, we, we were just, we all loved comic books. And I'll tell you this, since we're in a library, I'll tell you my librarian story. When I was nine, I just read comics. When I was nine or 10, my mom dropped me off at the little library on Main Street in my town. And the librarian was waiting for me. And she said, Bobby, I know you like comic books. I wanna show you something else I think you will like. And she took me to a shelf of Ray Bradbury stories. And that changed my life. Those stories were so imaginative, so creative, so beautifully written, and all had twist endings. Ray Bradbury and that librarian turned me into a reader. And that's when I started reading. I read all science fiction. I was reading Isaac Asimov and Robert Sheckley and all these other science fiction guys um, from, from then on. Yeah, you can definitely see those influences. I always liked in the, the Goosebumps books where you get some of that science fiction kind of thing where, you know, like the, like I'm a science fiction guy, so like, yeah, the, 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 the ghouls and the lawn gnomes are cool, but like, you know, when the aliens would show up and things like that, that was really fun. Um, and of course you have a book, uh, um, uh, Revenge of the Mutant, I think it's called. Somebody's gonna correct me if I'm wrong. Attack of the Mutant, yeah. I think. Which is the one that's... There were a couple of them. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. those. I love the comic book ones. Yeah, and you can really see that love for yeah. the comics medium. And someone like, you, right. this guy has collected and read comic books, you can tell. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought that was really, really cool. And the twist ending for that one sticks with me. So if you haven't read the, that one, the twist ending's pretty good. So, <laughs> Thank uh, you, thank you. Um, so we do have a couple minutes, and we do have a lot of folks. We gotta keep this kind of uh, managed. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna call up my friend. This is Miriam Brabham. She's been on the show before. Everybody say hi to Miriam. So I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna hand her over a mic and she's gonna um, run this. So um, we're gonna kind of prioritize younger uh, fans, if that's okay. So um, we have to keep the questions kind of brief because we do need to give Mr. Stein some time to go between this and his next event. So um, we're gonna go ahead and, so Miriam, if you wanna just, uh, here, right there. Okay. Um. Oh, yeah. um, so if you could be any one of your monsters from your Goosebumps books, which one would you be? I don't, I don't want to be a monster. <laughs> no, no, I would run. I don't want to be any of those people. Why? Well, I, I see who you want to be. <laughs> oh. Yeah? <laughs> Throwing mom out of the bus. You, you like Slappy. You know Slappy's evil, don't you? <laughs> you know that. <laughs> What's your favorite book you've written? My favorite what? Your favorite book you've written. That I've written? Yeah. I think The Haunted Mask that we were talking about. I think that's my, that's my, my, my best Halloween story. There's a recent one called They Call Me the Night Howler. And that's another comic book one mm -hmm. where this kid's in a superhero museum and he comes into a room and this uh, superhero said, I've had it, I've had it, this is a lousy business. And he takes off his costume and gives it to the kid. And the kid becomes the night howler. And I'm, I'm, that's another one of my favorites. Um, 
Why do you always end with uh, cliffhangers that you never solve? That's a good question. That reminds me of another question I got. In the mail, a kid wrote and said, I love your Fear Street books, but why do they end without making any sense? It's a real letter. I don't have an answer. You can ask some adults, too, you know. I wouldn't mind. Um, what is your most um, Fear Street book favorite? Your favorite one? I wrote a, a Fear Street book called Switched, where uh, two girls change bodies, and they don't know that one of the girls has just killed her parents. And now the other girl's in her body and trapped. That's, that's my all-time favorite uh, Fear Street book. Awkward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't you hate that. Who's your favorite yeah. author? Who's your favorite author? Uh, who's your favorite author was the question. Oh, I have a lot of favorite authors. Um, I read mostly mysteries and thrillers now. And I've been reading the Thursday Murder Club books by Richard Osman. Have you read of those? They're wonderful, wonderful mysteries. I'm really, really enjoying those. What's your favorite episode of the Goosebumps show? I think A Night in Terror Tower. I think that's really one of the best, yeah. I, it, for me, it has like the scariest moment in Goosebumps where these two kids, they're trying to find their parents at a hotel. And the hotel clerk says, well, what's your name? And they don't remember it. They mm. can't remember their own name. To me, that's terrifying. That is scary. <laughs> that's scary, I'm, right? I'm, I'm 38. I'm scared right now. <laughs> yeah, they realize they don't know who they are. And uh, that's one of the scariest moments in Goosebumps, I think. What's your favorite book or comic that you did not write? Um, I always recommend a book by Ray Bradbury called Something Wicked This Way Comes. It's a wonderful, creepy book um, about a boy in the Midwest. You know, I grew up in the Midwest who sneaks out of his house late at night and goes a couple blocks down to where they're setting up a carnival. And he gets involved in this carnival and it turns out to be the most evil carnival in the world. So just a wonderful book. Why did you change the covers of some of the older books? <laughs> He's asking me a publishing question here. <laughs> uh, this is very, very sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, we rebooted Goosebumps, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, and all the people at Scholastic said, no, we need a new cover artist, we need a whole new look. And so they hired a guy named Brandon Dorman, who was wonderful and took over, and then they redid a lot of the old covers with Brandon's covers. But no, no good reason. <laughs> I was waiting for me to ask a question about like trade dress. Like, you know, yes. yeah. yeah, right. Um, what's the scariest book you've written and how is it scary? 
You know, I think the very first Goosebumps book, Welcome to Dead House, is the scariest one because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I hadn't gotten it yet. I didn't figure out the combination of humor and horror. And I think it's a really more frightening than any of the other books. It's about a boy who moves to a new town, into a new house, and then everyone he meets says, I used to live in your house. I used to live, and it turns out he's moved into a zombie town where they're all dead and he doesn't know it. And I just, I think it's a little too scary for Goosebumps. Are you happy doing what you do? I'm miserable. <laughs> hey, who could be happier? Who could be luckier than me? Come on. Let's have some adult questions. Yeah, let's get, we can get a couple of adults too, yeah. Why do you do what? sequels to uh, like Goosebumps books. For example, Say Cheese and Die 2. <laughs> uh, people like sequels, and I do too, because the story's already there. But uh, sometimes the sequels do better than the original books. I don't really understand it, but so I, I do a lot of sequels. Okay, we do have time for a couple more, so if we want to get a couple adult fans, we can do that too. Yep. So your new series, uh, House of Shivers, how many books do you plan on putting um, I'm in that signed series? Up, I'm signed up for four right now. For four? Awesome. Yeah. I just, uh, um, yeah, I'm signed up for four. I, I just finished one, this is terrible, I just finished one called Night of the Living Mummy. <laughs> you can see how desperate I'm getting. <laughs> All right. Um, Given that your original Goosebumps stories were published during the 90s, do you think that those stories were work in today's current climate with tablets, laptops, smartphones, social media? They do, because I try to keep all the technology out of it. And the thing is, I mean, I think the Goosebumps books could have been written when I was a kid, back in the 50s, because our fears never change. The basic story, you know, we're still afraid of the dark, afraid something's lurking in the closet, afraid of getting lost, afraid of going down in the basement. Those fears never change. So um, no matter how they're being read on screens or whatever, um, I think they still work, I think. Okay, so this will have to be the last question, just in the interest of time. There is another event this afternoon at the Washington Middle School, which will have a longer Q&A and, and that sort of thing, but um, we do want to be respectful of the time here, so uh, we'll go ahead and bring us home. Okay, so real quick, uh, happy early birthday. I know that's tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And my question, um, my question is, much. if you weren't an author, what career choice would you have chosen? If I wasn't an author, I would like to be, um, a seal in the Central Park Zoo. <laughs> no, they have a great life. They swim all day. People throw fish at them, right? They can sleep on the rocks. I, I, some, I stare at them for hours. They have a great life. So uh, thank you so much, Arl Stein. Uh, where can folks check out your work and uh, what you've got coming up next? Um, well, you know, they're everywhere. I have, you know, uh, Slime Doesn't Pay and the new Goosebumps and Stein Tinglers. They're online and in bookstores everywhere. And uh, I've got more comics coming up and more House of Shivers. Cool. Uh, so thanks again. That will do it for another episode of Serious Fun. Thank you again so much to R.L. Stein. It's been a pleasure, a delight. Uh, wonderful. So glad to talk to you. Um, 
let's keep that energy up for the hardworking staff of the Brown County Library and the friends of the Brown County Library for making this event possible. Shout out to Gillian Dawson, Andrea West. Uh, facilities manager Kurt Baylor for helping set up the audio so you can hear it and also figure out how to wire it to the rest of the building. Um, before you leave today, find a librarian, thank them, buy them a coffee, whatever, uh, for all the work they do. Check out past episodes of Serious Fun, all the other Phoenix Studios shows at uwgb.edu slash podcast, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, all those places. That's going to do it for Serious Fun. Thank you again to Arl Stein. Enjoy the rest of PopCon. Just listen to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. For more podcasts, please visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.